0: Welcome to this episode of Lifestyle Matters. I'm once again joined by Dr. Fergal Armstrong um, to continue discussing um, social isolation and social relationships. Welcome to this episode, Fergal. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well. Thank you, Savina. Thanks for having me back.
0: So I thought today we'd talk about a bit more about social isolation and relationships. I mean, we established in the last episode how what the risk factors are, um to develop loneliness. Um, we've also established that one in three Australians before the pandemic experienced loneliness. Um, you can we can only imagine that now it's more frequent. And the fact that we all feel lonely from time to time, um, and the issue lies when this loneliness ends up being prolonged and starts having a um, negative impact on our health. There are lots of studies we have looked up um, to suggest there are it has a various negative impacts. Lots of it are still in preliminary stages, lots of theories behind it. And I thought it's a good idea for us to just talk about it so that we can increase everyone's awareness about it. So Fergal, did you wanna start by talking about what your take is on the fact that loneliness can affect our health? How does it affect our health?
1: Yeah, so again, you, you mentioned there's a lot of research being done in this area, and I think it's important to emphasize that it's very difficult to prove causation. It's much more easy to to prove association. Uh, the only way you would prove causation is with a randomized control trial, where you would forcibly make one group of people lonely and, and just uh, watch another group of people, which would act as a control group. So that's really unethical. So it's, it's association, but the bigger the trials. Uh, the, more, the more we can actually derive data from it. And we know that loneliness is associated with harm. And, you know, would you believe that? You know, that, that actually feeling lonely is associated with a 30% increase in the rate of early and premature death. That's staggering. And we know that is as an important risk factor for early death as smoking. And it's worse than obesity, in terms of the impact on longevity so really you know the way we see these adverts on t on well not necessarily on tv anymore but you know we have adverts on uh, or warnings on cigarette packages you know smoking may cause harm we don't have such warnings for loneliness do we but loneliness is as important a risk factor for death as smoking
0: yeah and it's interesting you started i'll just You know, just talk, just pick up on what you mentioned about the, you know, the it's easier to prove it's easier to prove causation and association. So there was one study that was quite famous, the the Brigham study, um, where they were looking. What they did was basically, in a nutshell, looked at studies done years before and looked at the risk of loneliness um, and living alone with heart disease and premature death, and they found that there was quite a high link. Um, So you know, it is, it's not. You know, we there is evidence. It's just that the way the studies are done is a bit different compared to yeah. the normal studies we we know. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's a useful segue into uh you know having a look at about the the, the effects of loneliness on kind of systems. So we we know that it that it increases the risk of death, but let's delve deeper. So the cardiovascular system, that, that the Birmingham study uh it told us that uh, you know it increases the risk of cardiovascular disease and that includes strokes and heart attacks would you agree savina
0: Definitely. And I guess there's also and one of the reasons behind that has got to do with the risk factors. Um, And risk factors, they found that blood pressure is increased in people who suffer with loneliness. And I guess the other thing is, you know, um, substance use, alcohol and smoking comes with um, loneliness. And those are we know our risk factors for heart disease uh, for things. So, Yeah.
1: But isn't it amazing that that loneliness actually is a risk factor for High blood pressure—it's a risk factor for high cholesterol. It's a risk factor for putting on weight. It's a risk factor. For, we can kind of intuitively understand why people resort to smoking if they're feeling lonely because it does make you feel better. And so too does alcohol. But loneliness can be seen as a cause of blood pressure and cholesterol problems, <laughs> and and putting on weight. And all of this leads into an increased risk of heart disease, as you say. I mean, it's it's, it's amazing how the feeling isolated permeates into physical systems
0: and that would be definitely be and the other thing i would say with that is also you know we talked about premature uh, mortality um when you think about it and now that we've actually lived through you know a pandemic we actually understand why people and i don't know about you but i find this in general practice where people are delaying preventative health care they are avoiding going for cancer screenings blood pressure checks um and, you know, there is no surprise there why we pick up these things now much later. So cancer diagnosis, you know, someone having a silent heart attack and not realizing that they've had it, yeah. um, poorly yeah. controlled diabetes. People are avoiding going out and people avoid, you know, they just live by themselves and they come into this sort of little shell and don't go out to get help. And yeah. that's another reason why we actually find these. Yeah. these risks so that's a placed. secondary
1: that's a secondary downstream association. is poor healthcare literacy and poor healthcare care accessibility because of isolation. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so go on.
0: And the other thing I want to talk about when you talked about heart disease is there were there was actually a study where they were looking at patients who suffer with heart failure. Um, and there was a higher, much higher chance of risk of death, um, hospitalization, um, just because they were, they were socially isolated or lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, and once again, it's for a variety of those reasons that we discussed, you know, poor diet, um, you know, not accessing medical help when they need to not attending regular appointments with their doctors. So I guess. What we're trying to say is, it's not just the physiological things, isn't it? It's also the secondary no. reasons for it.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that also highlights the benefit of a therapeutic relationship between a patient and his or her doctor. Um, you know, even even going to the doctor for a chat over nothing in particular, if that's part of how you prevent loneliness, well, that's a valid reason to, to, to talk to your doctor.
0: Laughter is the best medicine, Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is, isn't it? It is. It is, it is, it is, it is definitely. Yeah. And that's yeah. actually a very useful segue into the other thing about loneliness, depression and anxiety and mental health. Um, absolutely,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the figures are absolutely staggering. You know, um, 50% increased risk of dementia, 29, uh, 29% increase in heart disease. We've spoken about 32% increase in stroke. Loneliness is associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide um you know the, the 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 impact is enormous so if we look at dementia first of all and then we can go into anxiety depression and suicide i mean what do how what first of all what is dementia
0: well basically dementia is a neurodegenerative condition of our brain and yeah. what that means is that you know our cognitive our cognitive function starts declining uh, that would be my take on it. What, what, yeah. what? How would you sort of describe someone who has suffers with dementia?
1: Well, I think it's important to understand that dementia is really like a, a zoo, you know, because there's lots of animals in zoos and there's lots of types of dementia. But when we use dementia loosely, I suppose we're referring to the dementia of the Alzheimer's type, which is particularly characterized by. A gradual degeneration of the brain function, including a loss of memory, a loss of executive function. So the inability to problem solve and manage things. I, I often think about people with dementia having struggles. If they lost their watch, sorry, if they lost their wallet, you know, you and I would be very stressed, but we'd know what to do. We'd have to start calling up the bank and canceling all our credit cards and applying for new ones, getting new PIN numbers, et cetera, et cetera. Someone with dementia would not be able to do that. So that's one of my kind of, you know, that's how I think about the impact of, of, of dementia on people. So we know it's a very slow, gradual process. And we know that it's, that it's, um, associated with certain processes in the brain that are purely physiological. And now we also know that these processes in the brain are accelerated by loneliness, so we have a, a, you know, we have an environmental risk factor for internal processes in the brain, which I think is is amazing.
0: Yeah. And I guess we've just got to also remember that, you know, one of the other differentials for dementia is depression. And that yeah. comes once again with loneliness. And sometimes that yeah. can be exaggerated um, yeah. by mental health.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. And then the other thing you talked about was the other type of, well, there are several different types of dementia, but I guess what I wanted to point out was the vascular dementia type which comes again with um you know the cardiac disease the high blood pressure the cholesterol and all those sort of things those are the risk factors for vascular dementia and once again if you've got those risk factors your risk of vascular dementia is higher Um, and that once again then can cause and once again that's all really goes back a yeah. few steps down to loneliness yeah. and things too
1: and i suppose that also feeds back into you know the 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 idea of brain health and what physiological parameters do you have to have for brain health now the the americans have developed these 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 parameters so those things like having a normal bmi having a normal blood pressure having a normal glycemic control normal cholesterol a vegeta you know predominantly plant based you know we're getting this theme again predominantly plant based vegetarian diet but in that list of parameters they have not said socialization and really you know what we're trying to say is actually socialization it plays a crucial part in the maintenance of brain health and the prevention of, and the, of, of the initiation of, and the progression of dementia.
0: Definitely. And with socialization, hopefully you would be also doing it with other people where, yeah. you know, potentially maybe doing a crossword puzzle together or doing some exercise yeah. together. And we all yeah. know all that actually yeah. reduces the yeah. risk of accelerated dementia. Yeah.
1: So I suppose that's one of the benefits of socialization is, as you say, that it's, it, inc- it encourages other healthy activities, not just mental activities, but also exercise, so going for walks, cycle rides, etc. And that all plays into, you know, the, the, the improvement in lifestyle. So socialization treats loneliness and Im- improves behavior
0: yeah and I think you know there are lots of different um suburbs and towns have like community groups and um things for the elderly, which I think is a really good thing i you know I know lots of places well where, where we work that's been you know sort of on the down low currently because of um covid but you know I think that was actually- that's actually a really good um system to have so that we can promote socialization among the amongst the older people where they actually do more you know exercise and socialize and you know just be active and to reduce the risk of dementia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: So we've talked about dementia. I mean, what about depression and anxiety? How does, how does loneliness affect depression and anxiety?
0: I mean, you think about it. If you're alone by yourself, you spend all the time alone and not actually communicating with someone. We are all social beings. We're all, we're meant to be in a tribe. We're part of a tribe. We're not meant to be alone in this world, You, generally speaking. And when you don't have that social relationship where you can talk to someone, communicate, um, bounce off, you know, emotions and things with each other, that would make someone feel pretty yeah. depressed yeah. Um, and that can also heighten anxiety. Like I'm yeah. seeing it happen right now, people who've been in so, in social isolation now coming out, trying to live out in the, the normal world and their anxiety is through the roof. Um, and that's just because they've been sort of, you know, just caged in and not being socializing with other people. And now the thought of just merely going out to the shops increases anxiety levels. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, it 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 worsens depression, it worsens anxiety, and it increases the rate of suicide. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a terribly sad thing to think about because remember, loneliness is a reversible condition. Yeah. yeah? So I mean, Definitely. you know, these 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 days, you know, the how are you days? You know, I think they're a great thing because it really encourages us all to consider how other people around us who may not appear distressed actually it encourages to actually ask them how they are feeling, because really for the want of one social connection, someone may actually go on to take their own life. And, you know, and that's such a travesty of, of, of um, justice, you know, that, that someone for the want of a social contact
0: is dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the other, th- I suppose in terms of, you know, we know that one of the risk factors for suicide is living alone. Mm.
1: Um, and yeah, but, but that's, I should emphasize that it's not necessarily just living alone. As, as you've said previously, there's a difference between being alone and feeling alone, isn't there?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I think it's more important to emphasize it's feeling lonely because, you know, what about people who feel lonely, but live in the middle of cities, they're surrounded by people, they're surrounded by access to services, you know, they can still feel terribly lonely.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I guess, you know, so we talked about dementia and depression and mental health. Um, should we just quickly touch base a little bit on um, substance abuse before we just talk about what what we can do to help re- yeah. reduce loneliness?
1: Well, we know that, that loneliness worsens mental health. We know that mental health leads to substance abuse. And then we also know that substance abuse leads to worsening mental health. And we also know that substance abuse erodes people's identities. You know, when, when people start out, you know, with with um, with substance misuse, they're still c- connected with society. They're still connected with their loved ones, their friends. But as the substance use progresses, they gradually are unable to meet their social obligations, their role obligations. So by that, I mean, you know, they're not able to pick up the kids from school. They're not able to make dinner for the family. They're not able to get to work on time. So... They lose function because they're not able to meet their role obligations. And then that has downstream effects because then it causes them to lose their personal relationships. So it strips away from them all of their validating healthy personal relationships. So one of the key features of someone with a substance use disorder is they don't have any friends who aren't using substances. Yeah, that's what we see in people with extreme forms of substance abuse who are living very chaotic lives. All of their social relationships are dependent on that substance. And so that's how I define the the descent into the chaos that is substance use disorder. And that is also how I define recovery. I define recovery in no small part by the reacquisition of healthy relationships with people who do not use substances. Again, it boils down to relationships. So substance use disorder, causes us to lose our relationships, and recovery is the process by which we regain our relationships, and that feeds into loneliness. I mean, we also know that even within that cohort of patients who do have substance use disorder, we know that they identify loneliness as a significant problem. You know, like 70% of people in one survey said, you know, in the last month I felt lonely. Loneliness also impacts upon the way that patients with substance use disorder perceive the way that services are delivered to them. So they feel stigmatized, or they're more likely to feel stigmatized by the way that they're handled or they're treated by services. And we actually know that loneliness worsens substance use. There's very good evidence that the more lonely you feel, the more likely you are to increase your heroin use. So, you know,
0: it's a tangled web. Yeah, and it sounds like the relationship between loneliness and, um, or emotionally
1: overeating too. It's a bit of a vicious cycle, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, food is a substance, you know. <laughs> Anything that is misused. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. I mean, if we go to the definition of what, what addiction is, it's repeated engagement with a rewarding stimulus despite negative repercussions. So if you can apply that to food, you can apply that to heroin, you can apply that to ice or speed. So, you know, especially, you know, the, what we call hyperpalatable foods, you know, the foods that are rich in salt, fat, sugar, and refined carbohydrates. You know, these are uh, you know these binge eating episodes are repeated engagement with a rewarding substance. Well, it's rewarding because it makes us feel great, despite the negative repercussions of metabolic syndrome, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So, and what I'm hearing thing. here is that it, it just comes down to sort of building positive social relationships amongst Absolutely. people, and, and yeah. you know, that's basically it. And. Once we do that, we may be able to sort of overcome loneliness. But it's it's easier said than done. I yeah. appreciate that it's not easy for everyone to do that. But little steps, I guess, is what I would say. Um, I mean, you know, just sort of practicing compassion to each other. Yeah. Um, be, you know, you know understand, try to take yourself, take, put yourself in the other person's shoe and just imagine what they might be feeling, what they're going through, being kind to each other. And it comes down to just the very basics of humanity, doesn't it, Virgo?
1: It does. Um, And I I suppose we can talk about this in the next episode of how do we actually improve our relationships. But the key thing is, uh, you know, our own humility is the gateway to establishing yes. relationships with others. When other people think we're judging them or we feel superior to them, that's the end of any potential for a relationship. Yeah. So yeah. maintain our own sense of humility.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, Virgil, I think that's a great way to end today's episode. Um, I look forward to chatting with you again about how we can potentially build better social relationships with others in um, the next time. Uh, Thank thanks you. once again for joining us, Virgil. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Lifestyle Matters. We'll see you next time.